eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. I hope all you lovely people are well. Joined by Maxwell again tonight, as always, uh, we'll be allowing ourselves to have a brief look forward towards the 2020 uh, college football season and, um, yeah, have a quick look forward um, just before we end this season and, and start to get excited about the next. All the usual bits tonight, as well as looking back at the weekend's talking points, we'll also be looking forward, obviously, to our game of the week, as we always do. Um, we all finish you off. Maxwell, I'll bring you in. How are you? Okay. Yeah, all good, thanks. Yeah, it was uh, another good weekend, so looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And obviously now that it's coming, it's kind of scary, isn't it? It's kind of coming all to an end. <laughs> it's kind of seemingly <laughs> flown by for me. I don't know if it kind of feels like the same for you. Yeah, I can't believe what a uh, week we're in. It's already mad that we're here right at the end. I, I mean, an iron bowl. <laughs> we guess to, I, I think, I guess we kind of like, we say this every year, but, you know, it, it is only literally a couple of weeks away from the conference championships and then obviously New Year's and the playoffs and then obviously we'll be talking about the draft and you know then you know we'll be looking forward to the next season in you know proper and we're looking forward to it today but yeah it's just come around so quick I don't believe I don't believe how quickly the football season goes both the college and the NFL side to be honest with you but I guess with yeah. that we're kind of uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves and yeah that's kind of the theme of the podcast um, so before we do that let's uh, let's review some play we've got some play to review. Previous play is under review. Okay, so yeah, for me, um, I guess for you as well, there's only really one place to begin uh, with last weekend, and that's the marquee matchup of the weekend. Heavyweight contest in the contest in the Big Ten, uh, Ohio State versus Penn State. Um, this is obviously number two versus number eight at the time. Obviously, this isn't the case at the moment now that the new rankings have come out, and I'm sure we'll cover that in our conversation. Uh, yep. But how did you see this game? Uh, Ohio State made a meal out of this, didn't they really? Yeah, it was a funny one because <clears throat> they went into halftime 14 nil up. Um, but really, it should have been 21. Justin Fields fumbled the ball basically on the goal line just before the half. Mm-hmm. And if you li- were listening to the like, telecast, uh, you've got Urban Meyer, Reggie Bush, Matt Lennart, uh, and Brady Quinn. You know, four big names, guys who have been there and done it. Sure. And they were all going, this game's over. It could be 21. It could be 28 nil up. Um, you know they were they were rolling, and Penn State, although they put up a stern defensive effort, you thought the game was over. And then mm-hmm. third quarter, Sean Clifford goes out. New quarterback Will Levis, Will Levis comes in, um, and they put up 17 points in the in the third quarter. You know the game changed because of a couple of fumbles. It was all turnovers essentially, 17 yeah, points yeah. and turnovers. But um, it was it was a weird one. Ohio State. Um, you know, the, the the run game got held to under four yards at the end of the day. Um, and the passing game was, um, although the stats weren't bad, uh, it wasn't particularly there either. Um, I, I don't think they looked great. I, I think it was a good to see them win. The first half was dominant. Um, but I think they will face better front sixes and sevens uh, coming up. So um, uh, interesting to see that they couldn't run the ball as well as we thought they could. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, like I said, I think my overriding uh, emotion with this game is, like I say, just that they made a bit of a meal of it. Justin Fields uh, will obviously come on to him in a moment. Uh, his health, uh, obviously. In fact, let's come on to that now. Obviously, it's quite a big talking point. He yep. said down, obviously, after being tackled in the fourth. Uh, reportedly fine. Ryan Day doesn't seem too concerned, head coach. Obviously, with uh, Michigan on the horizon. Um, it was a bit of a heart and mouth moment, though, wasn't it? Obviously, he stayed down for a little while. It was, and it's one of them where he actually had a couple of knocks before mm. that earlier in the game. Um, so I think at that point, Ohio State were already feeling lucky to get out of it, and then that happened. He did look beat up, but he is a really tough um, and talented young man, and I think nothing is going to stop him playing Michigan this week. No, definitely um, not. But will he be fit enough to, to really give it his all? I'm not sure about that. Um, so... Uh, so we'll see, um, but uh, but he, he he he's obviously a very good player, and it's just a shame to see it happen. You know, we thought we had another Tua moment there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, that was obviously with it being sort of such recent history. It was kind of what everyone was kind of thinking, I guess. 
I just want to rewind to last week and what you were talking about with Don Brown, obviously when we were looking yep. ahead last week. And do you think he'll be kind of licking his lips even more now with a possibly hampered Justin Fields, you know, on the centre for Ohio State? Yeah, um, I think so. I think partly because, you know, Justin Fields ran the ball 21 times in this mm-hmm. game. Um, and a big part of their offense is about what's called the, the power read or the inverted read. It's a, it's a form of power running where the quarterback reads the front side defensive end. Um, and is he going to be able to do that? I mean, you, you would think no. You would think that he's not going to be able to run the ball more than 20 times a game. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, J.K. Dobbins had like nearly 40 rushes last week and yeah. and that was a career high for him but um you know if they're going to put all of the ball on his back well but we'll see uh because um Justin Fields certainly wouldn't think he's going to get over 20 carries mm. after getting a bit of a knock and facing and angry and and aggressive uh, and very good uh, Michigan side who are playing great right now. Yeah, sure. And obviously they, they're going to have, oh, they as in Ohio State, they're going to have sort of one eye on the postseason as well because they're pretty much in now, uh, moving up to the first ranking in the college football playoff rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, it, it's a dangerous kind of mindset to have when you've kind of got a, an eye on later challenges and especially when you're facing a big rival. Yeah, so um, I think it's it's kind of the worst prep for the Michigan game, um, to be honest. But um, at the end of the day, they're still a very talented side. Um, Michigan, they've still got a big win over Michigan last year. Um, so let's see what team comes out. But um, right now they look shaky, which is why we were both shocked that they moved to number one overall in the rankings. Um, yeah, see, it seems pretty unjust. I know that... You know, LSU have been absolutely rolling. We've been talking about them and their offense and Joe Burrow all season and how surprising and how great it's been. It's not as though they had kind of a narrow victory at all. They blew out Arkansas as expected. Um, yeah. But the, <laughs> the people, the powers that be, have decided that this narrow victory over, you know, Penn State is a reason to put them up. Oh, well, I don't, I don't get it. I, don't, I was really confused. I guess you're the same. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. But I think at the end of the day, um, we've got four good sides in the in the in the top four. Um, all of them obviously talented. I think the one with um, a real real hard game though uh, this weekend is Ohio State. So um, even though they're in the number one, are they the one who are most likely to fall out this week? Um, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, not yeah. not saying they will, but they're the most likely of the four. Sure. Um, so 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 we'll see. Um, this could all flip over again. Yeah. Um, but but um, yeah, you know they are there right now. A few teams banging on the door in Alabama and Utah. So mm-hmm. um, big week for them. Really big week. Yeah, definitely. Do you do you pay any sort of attention to the conspiracy theories that are going around that it was kind of done because they didn't want to match LSU and Alabama in the semi final again? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I... if they ended up as one and four. <laughs> What do you reckon? Yeah, it does. Uh, I, d- I don't believe in the SEC conspiracies, to be honest with you. But, um, <laughs> There's so many. Yeah, it makes sense in the in the sense that Penn State were ranked in fourth position only two weeks ago. Sure. So in that sense, yeah, makes sense to move them up. But I don't know. Of the four, they're the ones who I'm most worried about going mm-hmm. into the final week. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's move on then to the SEC. We just mentioned sort of the conspiracy theories behind it, and um, yeah, let's talk about one of the big games in that conference just gone. Uh, let's talk some Texas A&M and Georgia. Um, this was another low-scoring, defensive-powered Georgia win where Jake Fromm throws for less than 200 yards, didn't turn the ball over, uh, but the offense kept the ball, that kept the scoreboard ticking over. Sorry, uh, and just did enough. This is kind of the story of the Bulldog season, really, isn't it? In a nutshell. It really is. I mean, you know, it's the perfect game again for what they are trying to do, what they want to do. Um, Texas A&M, um, you know, put up some points in the second half and, and got a touchdown late on. But really, even though they, they had that kind of one big drive, um, even in that drive, I mean, they, were, they had a couple of passes, which on another day that could have been, um, those third downs could have been stopped there and then. Mm. Um, and it was a bit of a coverage bust, the eventual touchdown as well. Mm. Um, so I, I think it's just, I think their defense looks as good as ever, to be honest. Sure. Yeah. And no. their, their game plan is working perfectly. Um, DeAndre Swift, you know, another 100 yard game. Um, as a whole, 
as a team, they're doing what Georgia want to do and it's yes. got them into the top four. Yes. No, definitely. I think we, we obviously spoke with Tom, who's our guy in the SEC, before, and that's pretty much his assessment of, you know, he's a big Jake from fan, but he thinks, oh, aside from being a great leader, he's not really delivering on the, on the, the stage that Georgia might want him to and probably what he'll want to as well. I think just on Jake from just while we kind of mentioned that, I don't think he's really doing anything to dispel the notion that he's a limited game manager of a QB. I feel like he's really limiting his draft potential with, with his kind of performances. I know that his, you know, the coaches, the GMs, they're going to love his intangibles, his IQ, leadership, etc. But on the big green rectangle, coaches, I don't think coaches are going to be really like smitten by him. He's just not what kind of teams are looking for these days, let's say, I don't think. So I think he's, do you think he's kind of like firmly just a day two pick right now? Because that's why I have him. I mean, he's not, he's just not that talented of a passer. And we haven't seen evidence of him being a, um, you know, lighted up, pass it around the park passer. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not that guy. Um, uh, you know, we've seen guys before, like Matt Ryan was in the Boston College offense, which was sure. like 21 personnel. They ran the ball all the time. It was only play action where he really threw it deep. Mm-hmm. But he had a rocket of an arm. And, you know, it was just a totally different person. Yeah. So that's why I can't see how he's going to be a first rounder, certainly, and unlikely a second rounder. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the second round is one of those rounds where I think people are much more willing to take a risk. Yeah. Um, but there are lots of talented players out there this year who can make a difference. And we've seen teams win games in the NFL without super talented quarterbacks. Um, yeah, it's very fair. So, and there's more good quarterbacks in the quarterback in the NFL than ever. So, will he get drafted? Yes. Could he have a good career in the NFL? Maybe, but um, but I don't think he's, he's going to be a first day pick. Definitely. No, no, no. I don't think so. And just just last thing on George, do you think that the kind of small margin of these wins is kind of going to be their undoing, perhaps, when it goes down to the wire for the fourth spot? Obviously, Alabama are blowing everyone out. Um, you've got Clemson who scheme from Georgia's point of view pretty uncatchable with the way that they're playing and beating everyone as well could they kind of come unstuck with this? Yes because Alabama are playing a better team this weekend Mm. so if they they're both let's assume they both go into the final week 11 and 1 as much as you know they both win a game you would think that number 5 couldn't just hurdle number Mm 4 however the Auburn are a very good side and if, and if Alabama without Tua dominate which I think they could do they really could do then it, it would be hard to argue that they do deserve being pushed to, um, um, to, to, to number four the only thing that Georgia have got going for them is they have an opportunity the game is in their own hands mm. because it's likely they're going to go to the SEC championship game against uh, LSU yes yeah. Now, I don't think we expect line. them to win, but they have the destiny in their own hands, at least. Yes, and that's always the position that any team would want to be. Um, just a quick note on Texas A&M. Obviously, Kellen Mond doing what he always does and kind of racking up the points in the late late, late stages of the game when yeah. it really doesn't matter. I've really not been impressed with Kellen Mond this season. I don't think he was impressed in the games where, you know, earlier on in the season, we mentioned him, Tom mentioned him. This one to watch out for. I remember the game against Texas early on and it was, it was quite a matchup. You know, you got two quarterbacks at that stage there with Mond and Sam Erlinger who were both, you know, in the minds of a lot of people, quite exciting prospects to look out yep. for this season and they've both fell completely off the radar. And yeah, I just don't think he's, he's one to watch out for at all anymore. No, it doesn't seem like it. He really doesn't have the um, composure that you want at all um, and not really the talent. Um, I don't think he's that kind of guy, unfortunately. Mm. Um, I think the only other red flag from this game is even if Georgia do get in a good opportunity to to win and go up, um, they kind of panicked a little bit in the fourth quarter and they, their defence was doing things they don't usually do. And I think schematically this is the second time we've seen a fourth quarter offensive performance where um, where Kirby Smart's team are doing things which you don't expect of a team winning the game. So South Carolina, famously, when they lost that game earlier in the year, mm-hmm. made some really strange um, play-calling decisions in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And the same here. Jake Fromhat was put in a five-wide set multiple times in the fourth quarter when they were up. So, um, 
that's a red flag for Georgia. But other mm-hmm. than that, their, their defense is probably you know as good as it's ever been. Yeah, no, definitely. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to the conference um, that has no shortage of drama any week, and this week was no different. Uh, the Pac-12. Let's move out west. Um, Oregon were the team that everyone and I mean me mainly was trying to dream <laughs> up of scenarios to try and get them into the college football playoff. You know, they started ranked number six uh, at number six uh, in the rankings, and then went ahead and lost to lost to Arizona State. And Justin Herbert played really badly, and they fell apart at just the wrong time. They're out of playoff contention now. What went on? <laughs> Simply. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I loved what you, I didn't plan on watching the game much. I kind of had it on between other games. And then the first quarter went down and I was like, oh no, I'm going to have to watch this because Jaden Daniels, the, you know, the freshman. quarterback from Arizona yeah. State. Yeah, freshman, talented kid. Um, uh, his, his arm is pretty live. Actually. He shoots out of his hand. Um, you know, he had a couple of big plays, but realistically, off the bat, that um, Oregon offense was really held down. Um, you know, I've talked before and here about Justin Herbert and, mm-hmm. and what I think of that Oregon scheme. Yeah. Well, I think he opened up with, with uh, something like seven or eight, or maybe it was five, something um, uh, either incomplete or sack, or, you know, the passing game off the bat was just not working. Um, I think it was like, yeah, so of the first seven or eight passes, he had a sack and six incompletions and one catch, something like that. They just, um, Arizona came out, they played some man coverage, they uh, mixed up some of their blitzes, and they caused him some real headaches. Uh, you know, Herm Edwards is a brilliant coach, a long tenure coach mm-hmm. for a long time. Sure. And he, he just made it really difficult for her, but he just went out of his way to say, you're going to have to bring everything out to try and put points on the board. Um, and the result was two interceptions uh, and a really underwhelming Justin Herbert performance. Sure. So it's easy to blame the quarterback um, when you lose a game, but um, he was unable to execute the offense like he usually does. That's just a fact. Um, yeah, no, I, just, yeah. I completely agree with that one. To be honest with you. Do you think it's uh, kind of a blip or do you think it's a case of Justin Herbert not quite being as... You know, as good as we hype him up to be a little bit. I mean, it, it's hard. I know you've to talked say about the, the scheme and yeah. things like that a lot. Yeah, and I think it's hard to ignore that. Um, for one of the big reasons is when you do see him do the things you have to do in the NFL. So you know, you go watch um, who's doing well at the minute. You know, Lamar Jackson's obviously a freak, but mm-hmm. um, um, but you know, if you if you go watch the best guys, some of the throws they're having to make, um, they're not. They're not hard. They don't have to be hard. You know, it could be a good scheme, but there are things like thread it down the seam or mm-hmm. or put the ball in tight windows. And Justin Herbert, we just haven't seen him do that. That's just a fact. Like it's not. I'm not hating on him. I think he could still be um, a very good footballer. Mm-hmm. But some of the skills that you need to see from a top level quarterback, we haven't seen from him. I feel and, like we um, see him flashes with him, but never. Mm. I don't know. Never enough. That's maybe. I don't. I think that's pretty fair. You know, I don't want to hate on him too much, but it's um, because he's obviously still a very talented footballer. Yeah, sure. Um, clearly, um, but but he also, you know, we just haven't seen it much. Is kind of the thing. So I think he is in that way a bit of a risk, uh, which sounds a strange thing to say about a guy who has such good stats and does so many good things. Um, but I still feel like he he wouldn't be a kind of guy who could just step into any old offense and start mm-hmm. doing really well. He's not Kyler Murray. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think so, with, so. Yeah. I think with the way I think the way I summed it up um, last, I think it was probably on Sunday morning after I kind of saw the the, the defeat and things like that. Um, I think the kind of thing that I summed it up with is. You got to do. You got to expect this kind of one of three things. You got to make your. You know, I'm talking from the NFL team who drafts him. Point of view. Yep. You've got to make your offense like Oregon's, like pretty mm-hmm. similar to what Baltimore have done with Lamar Jackson, where they've kind of tailored the offense around him, and yep. you know, put him in his comfort zone straight away. You've got to sit him for a year, um, which is obviously another. It depends where he goes. Obviously, some teams aren't in that position where they can just sit a first round draft quarterback, mm-hmm. or you've got to expect your lumps, and you know, in a way that kind of. The first one that springs to mind is Sam Darnold. Obviously, he's had a lot of growing pains in the NFL since he's been there, and 
I don't think anyone's really writing him off just yet. But, um, you know, he's finding it difficult in spots. And I think you might see that from Justin Herbert in, in some ways. I think that's fair. I mean, um, again, it's, it's not that he's a bad player. He's a, he's a very good player. Um, but yeah, like you said, there has to be, the stars have got to align a little bit um, to make the most out of him. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree with that. And obviously, we'll, he'll probably be a player that we talk about quite a lot after the season and leading up to the draft. Obviously, he's going to be in the NFL next year. And obviously, with Tua's injury, he's going to be drafted probably high and probably higher than he should be, maybe. Um, so, yeah, no, we'll be talking about a lot of Justin Herbert in the next few months. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with Oregon's loss, um, that's kind of opened the door to Utah, as we mentioned a moment ago. Um, and they are now sixth in the rankings and, and looking to sneak it up into uh, a spot where they can take advantage of the SEC teams ahead of them uh, slipping up. And they're now the final non-SEC hope for the number four spot. I don't think we need to talk about this game. Um, Arizona were just pretty poor, weren't they, really? But we just wanted to mention that, obviously, Utah are the sole survivor, maybe, of the battle behind the top four and top five. Mm, yeah, I think Arizona played poorly. Um, I think, you know, Utah's defense was just way, way too much uh, for Khalil Tate and that offense. Are Utah going to be good enough to get a top four spot? Unlikely, no. Um, but if they if they do have a really big Pac-12 championship win, and there is some kind of SEC, you know, beating each other, you know, mm. I think they they probably need Auburn to win, and they need I don't know LSU to smash Georgia, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Um, so the stars have got to align a little bit, um, but I would love to see them in a playoff game because. They're such an exciting defense. I don't think their offense is really good enough to compete no. with some of these other teams. But um, Tyler Hunter is um, a nice quarterback, though. I quite like him. Well, he, he can move the ball. You know, he's a good enough athlete to move the ball. Um, he can he can throw it around a little bit, uh, and he, he doesn't give it away too much. So um, he makes games exciting, and he allows the defense to win. Yes, definitely. Because I don't know. I guess in that way, they're a kind of poor man's Georgia. But yeah. I don't know if I like to make that comparison because I feel like it's, I don't know, it's kind of like talking them down because I feel like we talk Georgia down in that sense <laughs> quite a mm. lot. <laughs> I know what you mean, but that's just how they're built. They're yeah, just yeah, sure. There's nothing wrong team. with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. No, no, no. So yeah, um, that rounds up this, this week's big games elsewhere. Uh, Oregon, uh, sorry, not Oregon, Oklahoma, excuse me, squeezed out TCU. Uh, Jonathan Taylor got another 200 yards under his belt, 220 yards to be precise against Purdue. Just one touchdown for him, though, unfortunately. Um, not the three or four that I was boldly predicting last week. Um, anything else that stood out for you last weekend? Um, don't, I don't think the game of the week, uh, Cincinnati-Temple, uh, uh, was a really, really good defensive <laughs> game in the end. So mm-hmm. if anyone wants to go, want to go back and watch a couple of uh, fantastic defensive teams, uh, go check that one out. Uh, Cincinnati got the um, got the win and went to ten and one, so that was a good good one. But nothing um, nothing major in terms of uh, standings overall. Mm. We might mention Cincinnati a little bit later on at the end of the podcast. So anyway, let's move on. Let's have a look ahead to our twenty twenty season and what we've got to look forward to. So okay, let's get into this then. Let's dive in. Um, what are we looking forward to? I know uh, Thomas was going to be on the podcast tonight, but he has been held up. Um, I know he wanted to talk about something in LA, so I'm going to just kind of lead on that um, sort of on his behalf. He wanted to yeah, talk about the um, USC quarterback situation. Obviously, we, last week we mentioned uh, Keaton Slovis and how well he's playing. Obviously, against uh, UCLA, put up I think it was 515 yards and a few touchdowns uh, in a big win, scoring over 50 points on UCLA in you know quite good game. And obviously, that puts JT Daniels in a pretty I don't know, pretty precarious situation, I guess. And it, I guess I think what Thomas wanted to kind of bring up is so where's JT Daniels going to be playing next year? And it's a really, I think it's a really good question. I know Thomas has got his um, his thoughts on it, and I think he um, thinks JT Daniels is going to end up at Florida State. What do you think? What do you think to JT Daniels? I think we mentioned obviously the QB situation; it's pretty precarious. What do you think? And do you think JT Daniels is going to be on the move to anywhere in particular? Yeah, I think unfortunately there's no other way around it now. JT Daniels is going to have to be on the way out because every single week Slovis has looked good. 
Um, but this last three or four week stretch that he's had um, has been pretty ridiculous. I yes. mean, <laughs> you know, it, not only has he been throwing 400 yards and four touchdowns every week, but the nature of the touchdowns and the way he looks in the pocket and mm. the, the arm strength. I mean, um, yeah, some of the throws that he's making are down the field, uh, you know, on a dime, and he's slinging them as well, isn't he? Oh yeah, I mean, he's really showing it now, and um, he's brought some life to a, a team. You know, you brought them up last week as being someone that you kind of excited about and watching more mm-hmm. about, and I think that was totally accurate. Um, but I think the one thing that probably um, is missing there is about how much life he's brought to the team this year, like the wide receiver sure. core. Uh, you know, I remember watching them the very start of the year uh, and thinking you know, maybe uh, I remember the, the Utah game um, where he didn't really play um, and thinking, you know, maybe they're not good enough to compete at that level, even though they won. Um, but uh, but now the wide receivers look, they're flying around the park, um, they're making plays. I think they just trust that that ball's going to be coming in <laughs> and the whole team looks good, really, really confident. And um, UCLA would put a few wins together. Um, you know, they just they just dominated. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think it's yeah, it's going to be a really interesting uh, sort of thing to discuss. Obviously, we'll, we'll obviously at the end of the season we'll get like a group of players that will all be entering the transfer portal. Maybe we'll be able to speculate then, um, you know, where each of them will go. But JT Daniels will be right at the top of that shopping list, I guess, won't he? For a lot of teams, he's. he's- well, yes, uh, I think um, he's still a good player. Has he shown, you know, um, consistency? No, uh, but he's shown flashes, and um, we'll see if the right team picks him up. He could be a good quarterback. Sure, yeah. Obviously, former five-star recruit. Obviously, I think he's got an ACL injury at the moment, which is a serious injury. It is it's it's one that players come back routinely from now, and, and they don't have any real long-term adverse effects as long as it doesn't keep happening. Um, so yeah, I think he'll be. I think he'll be well sought after, and I think yeah, as Thomas said, I think Florida State's too bad of an option for him. So they need a quarterback. Have them for a little while now. Um, so yeah, no eyes peeled to that one, I guess. Maxwell, what do you have for us for next season? Okay, um, so number of ways I could have gone with it, uh, <laughs> and I've gone with a team who, to some degree, were a little bit of a disappointment this year, and that's Oklahoma, mm-hmm. because for me. Lincoln Riley has had so much buzz about the NFL and and all this. And as an organization, he's obviously stepped into this team and and turned them around in many ways and turned them into a a team who every single year is doing something um, special, really special. You know, the points per game is off off the charts. They're, They're really, really stepping up to a level which... We haven't really seen match before. And if things would have gone slightly differently this season, I think he would have had three Heismans in a, in a row. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jalen Hurts is just unbelievable. Uh, he really is. I, I watched back that Baylor game now quite a few times, and he's just fantastic mm-hmm. and uh, well-deserving. He's kind of like a force of, uh, of nature with the way he's kind of like wills his team to win, <laughs> don't you think? He really is. I mean, he reminds me of the kind of, he reminds me of Cam Newton. He's, he's exactly like Cam Newton was at Auburn that year. Um, just ability to, they're down, he will do it. He'll bring it back. He yeah, will yeah. score the points and he'll do what he needs to do because who's stopping him? He just, just constantly looks like people can't stop him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think and, he kind of knows that as well. He approaches it with that kind of demeanor as well, I feel. I feel. Maybe that's why he's so humble because... Um, you know, I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's a, a bad shout at all. He's he's amazingly self confident. You can see it in mm-hmm. him, um, but also when he talks and speaks, he's just such a laid back, um, you know, calm guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a brilliant guy to have, and I I can't wait to see what happens to him in the NFL. Um, uh, uh, yeah. So so the thing that I'm excited about is the comeback of Oklahoma because they'll be hurt this year about what's happened and their defense has been not good in a lot of ways. Yeah, sure. I think that's very you know, fair. Alex Grinch came in from Washington State with really big um, praise around him. He is, was and is the, one of the most innovative defensive coordinators we've seen in college football in a number of years. Uh, what they're doing at Iowa State is 
fascinating. It's been replicated at other teams like Marshall and Charlotte. Um, but, but, but Alex Grinch hasn't actually really started doing the stuff that made him famous at Washington State. And the reason I'm looking forward to Oklahoma next year is because we think Oklahoma have had a bad season, but they've actually <laughs> been given up. They've been given up the lowest yards per game of anyone in the Big 12. And last year, they were giving up the most yards per game of anyone in the Big 12. You know, this is a team whose defense, although not perfect, is transformed. And that sounds crazy because they haven't been great and they've given up, um, you know, they've given up 400 yards multiple weeks to teams like Kansas State and Iowa State. Yeah, yeah. Um, which isn't perfect, but they're so much better than they were. And I have faith in Alex Grinch and what he's able to do. He has a, this multiple scheme at Washington State where all of the front seven players are like moving and changing positions before the snap. And you've seen a little bit of it on third down for Oklahoma. Yeah. But he hasn't even got there yet. And next year, they'll be angry because they've lost. They'll probably have a new superstar quarterback. <laughs> um, JC Daniels, right? Yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Jordan Love. It could be any number of these guys. Um, and, and, and what we're going to see is a team who are ready to fly. Um, and although they've been a bit disappointing, I think their defense is going to be even better next year. Um, and I don't think Lincoln Riley's ready to leave on a season like this. I think he wants a national championship. So um, looking forward to Oklahoma trying to do that next season. Would, would you say one thing that kind of um, sprung into my mind when you were going through that then was the Texas game? Would you kind of say that we kind of want to see Oklahoma playing defensively like they did in the Texas game most weeks? Is that kind of what we're aiming for? Yeah, I think the Texas game was a really good example of what they could do. And although Texas haven't had the best season, at the start of the year, Texas looked really dangerous. They need mm-hmm. to beat LSU. You know, people forget that. That Texas side. Yeah, that feels like ages ago now. <laughs> I know. And there's obviously been some problems there with Orlando Hermans. But, um, uh, and whatever happens there happens. But at the time, they were an incredibly strong side. Who, as I mentioned, nearly beat LSU. Like, that was such a close mm-hmm. game. So, um, I think Oklahoma are going to come back flying next year. I think they're so unfortunate. And they made some silly, silly mistakes to get into the position they're in now. Because um, they could quite easily be an unbeaten side. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. So looking looking forward to see what Lincoln Riley does uh, in a in a season where his defense will be better, um, where he might have a different quarterback, um, but they will have something to prove. Definitely. No, no. Definitely. I think it's a great shout. Look forward to that one. I kind of yeah on the the side of that that I hope Lincoln Riley stays in college football and doesn't go to the NFL because. It's be a big loss to college football, let's be honest, if we, if we lose Lincoln Riley. And we don't want to see that at all. Um, I guess my, um, what's, what I'm looking forward to, what I'm going to talk about, kind of involves Oklahoma in, in a kind of small sense. I'm going to talk about the wide receivers. Um, there's a heck of a lot of talent at the wide receiver in college football. Uh, at the moment, with the likes of C.D. Lamb, obviously, that we, we, you know, we're just talking about Oklahoma, Jerry Judy, Ryder Thorpe. The the ceiling of this draft class that we're going to see come out in April is is super high, but you know it's also got the depth. Obviously, we've both written about Tyler Morris, Isaiah Hodgins, and they're kind of like still in like the the lower reaches of the top ten, maybe maybe a little bit further back than that. You know, in the middle you've got T Higgins, the Chanel, Denzel Mims, all these players, and then emerging guys, emerging seniors such as you know Michael Pittman, who I still need to write about, and a bunch mm-hmm. of other guys. Um, but I think the twenty twenty one class. You know, the, the guys that are going to be dominating the college football ranks at wide receiver next year could be even better. You know, we've, we've both been talking about Jamar Chase. You know, we've been talking about LSU quite a lot recently. Yeah. You know, we, we're sort of looking at the Alabama game the other week and saying, was Jamar Chase the best wide receiver on the field? I think we've both said that. And I mean, you know, there's certainly a fair argument there for with, that. With all the talent that everyone's talked about on Alabama, that is an incredible thing to say. And then, you know... Another Clemson wide receiver, Justin Ross, is going to be coming, becoming draft eligible. You've got Rondell Moore, who we've been kind of waiting for for a couple of years. Jalen Waddell, who is wide receiver four at Alabama, but he'd be wide receiver one on a lot of teams right now. Um, you know, there's a whole, whole host of other guys from Monmouth St. Brown, Daz Newman from UNC, and then maybe even you know guys who are injured right now, like Tyler Wallace, who could you know put off his uh, eligibility and come out next year instead, which would obviously boosts the cost again. And then obviously you're going to have the guys that emerge in the same way a lot of these guys have this year. 
So I just, I'm just really excited. I mean, I well, when I watch the NFL, I'm kind of more of like a defensive-minded person. I like to see good defense, I like to see low-scoring games. I don't want to see these Kansas City versus the Rams game where it was like, I don't know, what was it <laughs> like? Almost 60 points each. I like to see defensive games in the NFL, but in college football, it's about scoring points and putting points on the board. And I, I want to see that more. And it's a good thing we've got a lot of good defensive backs in college football at the moment because... That, that better continue because the next batch of wide receivers is here and they're going to be lighting up the scoreboards next year. Yeah, I think that's very fair. I think, you know, it's um, we, we we have the right to get um, excited about them this year because it is a good class. It's such a good class. Um, but like you said, I mean, some of those names that could be coming out, it's, it's mad and it's going to be mm. exciting to see them all play one more year and compete for that top spot because... Other than Chase, I don't think there's a consensus guy who's mm. definitely going to be the one who's kind of coming out and but he's going to be the you know the superstar, um, a consensus number one pick. Do you think there is? Well, I mean, Chase is, is the way he's played this season. Yeah, um, is is number one, and then after that, like you say, maybe I mean Justin Ross. I've kind of listened in the order that I kind of they sprung to mind, and I think that says a lot. I think Justin Ross is going to be a typical you know, jump ball Clemson kind of receiver, you know, Newt Hopkins, Mike Williams kind of player. And I think he'll be quite dominant next year. Uh, obviously, Trevor Lawrence is still going to be there throwing in the ball and he's going to become the wide receiver one. So, And yeah, he's going yeah. to be in a position on a great team to, to just have a lot of success. Um, but I mean, with the players that I've just named, and you know, obviously I've not named them all, there's such a variety. Like Rondell Moore, obviously, is a more diminutive receiver. But Is he going to stay? Do we what, think? Uh, at Purdue Ron, or? Yeah, well, uh, is he going to the NFL, Rondell Moore? There's a little bit of draft buzz about him coming out early. No, I think is that he'll right? stay. I don't, I, I don't even know if he's eligible to come out this year, to be honest with you. I, I oh, is he not? I don't think he okay. is. Well, um, he is. So well, he'd be right for the picking, obviously, next year. after Because he's obviously had a great season last year. He's been decent this year, again, for a bad team. And then, obviously, if he's going to go up again and have another great year when he's draft eligible, then he's, he's going to be right for the picking, I would say. He's so exciting, Rondell Moore. I mean, he's one of those guys where, um, you know, Purdue are a bit of an up-and-down team. <clears throat> they, they do have a good coaching staff, and they, and they beat Ohio State last year, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's right, correct. Yeah. Um, but he's just explosive, uh, dynamic. I know he's not a big guy, but um, fascinating. So it would be interesting. He'd be mm. another good name there. Um, I'm sure Alabama will have another three. Uh, three <laughs> as always, yeah, yeah, yeah. As always, Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown, another guy you've yes. talked about before. Yes, 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 definitely. I mean, obviously, that's going to be if someone who's come to the fore a little bit with Keaton Slovis, obviously throwing so many yards and touchdowns. Um, and obviously, we'll lose Michael Pittman from USC, so maybe he'll get an expanded role again. So, yeah, no, there's a lot, there's, and that's the great thing about college football, isn't it? It's such a small cycle that you get through, in, you know, three or four years, and then you've got a fresh new team. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's just something I'm looking forward to. I think that's going to be a really strong position group again after you know an incredible year that everyone is well, not everyone a lot of some of the top analysts at least are saying that you know this wide receiver class that's just about to could have been the best ever, you know, and I think we yeah. could re up that and you know push the bar even higher next year. And I think that's really exciting. Yeah, it is. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's gonna be good. Do you do you have any bonus material that you want to hit us with next year? I know we've only, we've limited ourselves to a couple, a one each. Um, do you have anything else that you want to kind of mention? Well, I did have a couple of others, but let's just, you know, I don't want to, I just want to mention one. <laughs> I want to mention one. Yeah, because, go ahead. You know, I wasn't going to say any of those because we thought we'd have a few more people joining us today. But the key one for me is um, right now we're looking at uh, a Boise State side who are 10 and 1. Mm -hmm. um, smashing it in the Mountain West. Um, you know, they're obviously doing really well. Um, but they um, they had a, a loss to BYU, which a lot of people on the surface thought that was a bit shock, shocking. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason is because they've now had three games, I think, including the BYU game, without their freshman quarterback, Hank Backmeyer. Yes, and we mentioned him a few weeks ago, didn't we? We've mentioned him before, and I think we've talked about him being a guy to think about in the future. Um, but Hank Backmeyer is, a, is someone who... I'm really excited for next year. Like he's actually been, he's actually almost had kind of the perfect season this year because he hasn't built up too much uh, buzz for himself that he's like one of these guys that, that, that 
you know, spurns out or people forget about um, because they were such a buzz early on. Yeah, you know, he had that massive game against Florida State in week one where he just dominated. <laughs> um, but he's now had a few games missing. Uh, when he did step back into the lineup, even though he then got injured and to come out again, he looked brilliant and dominant again. Um, and I'm just so excited to see what he can do after he's had a year under his belt when he gets a bit bigger and a bit stronger and hopefully healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the more I watch him, the more I think this could be a guy who does something special, next level even. You know, we don't talk about Boise State quarterbacks very much. I literally no. can't remember the last time. Um, but but he's really good. He's really good. And um, yes, they're a good side without him, but um, I'm really excited to see him next year, uh, see that Boise State team, give it a, give it a real run um, and another unbeaten run with a proper quarterback in there because mm-hmm. they would never have lost that BYU game without him. Yeah, sure. Um, they, it was the only game all year, I think, where they, where they didn't throw for 200 yards or more. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, he's uh, such a good player. He's very young, got a lot to learn, um, but uh, excited to see what he can do with another year under his belt. Yeah, definitely. I think one thing that really stood out as you were going through, I think one thing he needs to do is put on some weight. He's quite a skinny guy. He's not the biggest like in terms of his height either. No. And yeah, you've got some big big defenders out there in the Mountain West, so he definitely needs to maybe put some weight on, pack on some muscle and, and to be able to absorb those hits. Obviously, you don't want him to get too injured before and too banged up before he kind of reaches his prominence and reaches his peak. But yeah, no, definitely yeah, really, yeah. really talented player that we've, we've kind of kept a... Half an iron at least yeah. out there. In the and, I, and I think they've got Florida State scheduled on the. Uh, I seem to remember listening that they've got them scheduled next year as well. Okay. So they're going to have another big game for him to impress. Um, so I'm quite, you know, he's got plenty of opportunities as well to, um, to mm. go show how good he can be. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking about him a lot in the future, I think. Yeah, no, I think it's a good shout. Another thing that point out that kind of came to my mind is would the last kind of Boise State quarterback that kind of rose from be like Kellen Moore? <laughs> oh yeah, Kellen Moore with the, he had like an amazing like something crazy like eighty five percent passing completion. Um, he's a uh, he, he was a good quarterback there, but obviously mm. a little limited in in some ways. But sure. uh, now he's having a great career. Yeah, he's doing well. Uh, obviously playing the offensive coordinator for Dallas. Uh, in the NFL, obviously, got quite a lot of attention uh, early on in the season. Obviously, Tim uh, wrote a song about him over you know our sort of head of operations <laughs> here at the Full Time Yards. Uh, if yeah. you've not seen that, go on YouTube and search Kellen Moore song. It's very catchy. Tim's a very talented songwriter, as we know. Definitely check it out. <laughs> uh, one last thing that I just want to mention. It's just a message from Tom. Uh, he just wants to mention uh, Tennessee as a sort of one to watch for next year. Obviously, they've been on a bit of a run recently. <laughs> <laughs> Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee. Uh, obviously beat South Carolina by 20 uh, and that's one of four wins obviously beat Missouri who we've kind of undenied about as a as a decent team last week so he uh, he wants to kind of signpost Tennessee as a, as a possible good team next year but we'll see we'll see about that one yeah uh, and on that note let's move on to game of the week let's move swiftly on <laughs> college football's game of the week Okay, yeah, let's finish off the podcast. Uh, obviously, get final game of the week, of the regular season. Uh, obviously, this is like traditional kind of rivalry and kind of local derby games almost. Uh, starts tonight um, in Starkville, Mississippi, Old Miss versus Mississippi State. So if you're off tomorrow or, you know, you can stay up late, fire up your ESPN player and treat yourself, get your early start to the college football weekend. I'm working from home tomorrow, so I might do just that, to be honest with you. Um, so I just want to give everyone a heads up for that. Also, following on from that, I just want to give everyone a heads up that there's plenty of games on Friday as well. It's not just a Saturday uh, game weekend. There's plenty of good games on Friday evening as well as Saturday. So just get that little bit of housekeeping out of the way. So let's have it then. What is your game of the week, Maxwell? Game of the week. So a few. Yeah, there's, there's a few really tasty ones. Um, you know, we've got, uh, we've got Ohio State, Michigan, which we've mm-hmm. talked about a lot. Big one. I'm obviously could have picked that, um, but we've talked about it a lot, and I think it's going to be a great game. But um, it's not the one I'm most excited about. Um, you know, I feel like I talk about Cincinnati every week, and um, <laughs> and 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 it was good to to kind of mention them last week because I really did love that Temple game, and they're going to have another amazing game this weekend against Memphis. Um, both teams ten and one. 
Um, so I couldn't have gone either either of those. But I think I'm kind of going to go for the people's favourite here. I've got to go for the Iron Bowl. I mean, the Iron Bowl. <laughs> I don't usually go for the for the big name game. Sure. But Alabama Auburn is just more exciting to me because of the lack of quarterback talent. Like I, I feel like <laughs> if two was in this game. I wouldn't be anywhere near as excited about it because I'd have them nailed down to win. But this Auburn side has been so frisky on defense all year. You know, they've got some really ridiculous NFL talent, obviously, there as well, right in the middle. Uh, Derek Smith, uh, um, Derek Brown. Derek Brown? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, they're such a good side. Um, and Alabama have got something to prove. You know, they have got a position here where they are currently out of the playoffs. Uh, when was the last time we saw that? You know, yeah, I don't sure. think Alabama have ever been out of the college football playoffs since they started doing it. So they have got a big, big game in their hands and they haven't got the number one quarterback there to do it. You know, what can Mac Jones do? Can he come out and show how talented he is in terms of executing that offense? You know, lots of easy passes from last week. They ran the ball really well. Um, but this week, a totally different um, challenge. Mm. You know, Auburn's defense against LSU did some crazy things. Like, they did some really wild different things. They went to – they played some, like, three-down linemen, um, cover, cover two-man uh, stuff, which is rare. And they hadn't run all year before it, and they just mm. brought out just for the LSU game. They also did some kind of um, six-man rush zone blitzing, some like really interesting different things because that's what Auburn do. You know, that's what Miles Armstrong yeah, does. Yeah. He, he, he is a big game kind of guy and he always brings out something different. Um, and that's going to be no different now. Uh, they're going to be in a position where they, they want to win, they want to prove themselves. They've got an opportunity to knock the king down. Mm. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm just quite excited to see um, to see them do it, you know, they, um, this could be a really exciting Iron Bowl. Um, and if Alabama win it convincingly, um, obviously there's implications for them with the playoffs. Sure. Um, but Auburn will celebrate like this is a national championship if they beat them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, and you know what this game always kind of makes me, well, think back to, I guess. Do you remember the kick six from yeah, a few years back? Of course. Uh, it's one of my favourite plays uh, from college football in recent time. You know, Chris Davis, I think it was, who played for the Chargers um, after he came out. Um, if anyone's not seen this, by the way, definitely go and watch this. Uh, just type in YouTube or something like that, the kick six. Um, I think Alabama had a kick to win the game. And yeah, yeah Auburn ended up running it back for a touchdown. And yeah, they were they, all, because the score was tied, right? I remember that right. And then, uh, They might have even been winning, but it was, it was Iron Bowl 2013. And it okay. was just, um, Didn't know yeah, the, it the was, year was to be honest, but yeah, it was from a few it years was, ago. It was unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah, I think um, yeah, maybe it was a draw at the time, um, but it sealed it with a second left. You know, Alabama about to win the game, and then it was what a hundred plus yards. I think it was from right, right in the back. Oh. I think it was like right in the back of the end zone. It'd be one hundred eight, one hundred nine. I don't have, the, I don't have it in front of me, but um, yeah, it, it was, was like crazy. a last ditch attempt, obviously. Had to run it back because there's no time left on the court to save it from going to overtime, and he took it all the way. Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, you incredible can, play. <laughs> you can just watch the last 30 seconds really and, and get a feel for for what an amazing uh, what an amazing game that was. And it had it was filled with NFL players. You mm. know, Amari Cooper, Sammy Coates with the two big wide receivers. Obviously, Sammy Coates not having a big NFL career, but then you got um, T.J. Yeldon was a running back for Bama. Who was it? Nick Marshall was a quarterback for um, yes, yeah, that's Alabama, right, yeah, 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 Auburn. Who went on to be a cornerback? Corner, that's right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's right. Yeah, so it, it it was just one of those games um, where it was filled with spectacle and fun, and it had a lot of like legacy to it in the sense that you know you think about all those great, great players that kind of came out of both those sides mm. um, and what great careers they had, and that always happens with both these teams. Um, they're just that good. They've they've got all those guys. Talent factories. Fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Har Har Clinton Dix, I think, got a pick in that game. They had CJ Mosley at linebacker. You know, guys who are superstars now, and mm. and it all starts from these moments. Um, and the Iron Bowl is a, about as special a moment um, as there is. Um, and the 2013 one had the most amazing ending. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yes, yeah, so a great shout there for the game of the week. 
I'll just run through a couple more just before we finish off. Um, obviously, got the Apple Cup out in the Pac-12, Washington State versus Washington at Husky Stadium. Yeah. Uh, that's on Friday night as well. So again, just signposting that for anyone who wants to kind of tune in. Um, nine o'clock on Friday. So, you know, nice little way to start your weekend. Um, and then there was one more that I wanted to mention that I've currently lost. I'm scrolling down the fixtures. Um, I cannot find it now. Oh, yeah, that was at Utah playing Colorado. Obviously, you know, keeping an eye on the playoffs. Um, you know, yeah. outside chance for Utah to sneak in. Obviously, they've got a pretty tough game um, in Utah, so that's obviously good for them. But against Colorado, who are an awkward team, let's say. They're not the best of years, but they can be pretty awkward. Got a few decent players. Yeah, that, that's fair. I think uh, the only other one I was interested in is the Battle of Virginia. The, mm. You know, Virginia Tech, Virginia Cavaliers. Um, those two are going at it, and both of them have, although they've each lost three games, they're going into it both eight and three, and but they've both kind of been overachieving this year. Mm. Um, I don't think anyone expected much of either of them. Uh, Virginia's Tech's defense has just been excellent. Um, really, really had some kind of excellent games. Uh, nearly beat Notre Dame at one point. Smashed some other good teams. Mm. And Virginia, uh, and Virginia would be great. You know, both of them have been really talented, uh, fun sides. So uh, we good to see them face off. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and then obviously it's the end of the regular season, and then we're into uh, Championship Week and Bowl Week, which obviously we'll be previewing for you in the next couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, just before we sign off, uh, let's just point you in the direction of the follow and subscribe buttons. Um, obviously, wherever you get your podcasts, if you just hit those buttons, and we'll sort of deliver them straight to you uh, wherever you get them. Um, and yeah thank you all for your support thanks for listening and yeah I think we'll just sign off there oh sorry one, one more thing we'll just direct it towards our uh, discount code again for NFL Shop Europe uh, if you use um, the discount code FULL10 at the checkout you'll get 10% off your order so again you know Christmas is coming as we've been saying uh, so if you do fancy any merch um, get it from NFL Shop Europe and get 10, 10% off which is always handy Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think we'll leave it there. Um, another great podcast, obviously, another little look in to the next you know, year or so coming up and lots of things to get excited for. Uh, so, yeah, no, we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, so, yeah, goodbye from Maxwell. Goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me. So, yeah, we'll see you on the other side, people. Play the outro music. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, Full10yards.com or follow us on Twitter at Full10YardsCFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.